The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Another tough... Ravens, loss, another collapse, late. I don't even know what to say. Oh wait, yes I do. Plenty to say from yours truly and the fellas this week on Pod Like a Raven. The Ravens have done it, guys. They have officially flipped me. Uh... I used to be an optimist, I was a glass half full guy, I used to believe that winning games in the NFL is very hard, and the Ravens do it better than 80% of the league, but six weeks in, I can't do it anymore. Uh, this team stinks, and they stink in the worst way possible, because they don't actually stink, they just play like they stink. I'm Antonio Barbera. I have a lot of emotions in this episode that I will get into, I'm going to try to process. I'm going to bring in the fellas to help help me with this, because I, f- I think I finally joined their ranks uh, with just being frustrated and worn out by this very talented and underperforming football team. Let's start on the East Coast with Tim Horsey. Tim, I need, I need help this week, man. I need help. That's all I can say. No, you're not going to get it from me. Um, I'm dead inside. <laughs> Pretty much how I describe this game. I think... You know, we'll talk about it when we get to the gambling section. I did okay uh, monetarily. Uh, ended up doing some some legal gambling, for those of you listening, on this game and on the rest of the NFL slate. Um, but the other team that uh, – one of the other teams that I care for, although not nearly as much as the Ravens, had a massive win right before and during the first quarter of this Ravens game. So that certainly helped. And then it was um, a pit of despair in the Meadowlands. Um, and yeah, I, I, we're looking at the notes here and I, I saw that Antonio has a lot to say. So I'm going to be here to supplement him today um, because he has a lot of good points that are better than my usual ramblings um, and, and uh, complaints about the Baltimore Ravens. And yeah, I guess the only thing, other thing I can say, Antonio is welcome. Welcome to this pit of misery that Jason and I call being a Ravens fan. On the West Coast, 
J7s. Jace, it's supposed to be fun. It's a, it's a team to root for. Why is it, why am I so sad? What, what is happening? It, it is supposed to be fun, Antonio, and, and I think that's why, uh, I, I think we've, as you said, Tim and I, I think I've been here for at least a week or two longer than you, but, uh, you know, it, it is supposed to be fun, and it's not. Uh, because the way this team plays week in and week out, throwing these games away, and it's it's I, I I thought this thought came into my head last night, and I was like, can this be true? And I think it is. But like at the trajectory this Ravens team is on, they're shaping up to be one of my my least favorite Ravens teams of all time. And there's been some there's been some awful Ravens teams, but that's you 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 touched on it. What's frustrating is this team isn't awful, but they produce just the worst result in the NFL, it feels like, every week with these double-digit blown leads. That's three, They're 3-3. Three and three. All three games they've lost, they've had a double-digit lead now. And, and, and I think Sunday's was the worst of all. I, I said, I believe, after the Miami game that that was the worst loss of the Lamar era. I don't even know if that's the worst loss of the season. I think Sunday's loss might have been the worst game of the season, which we'll get, uh, get into why it was so bad, but... It was just very frustrating. So, I, yeah, I don't. We agree a lot on this podcast, and now it seems like we're all turning pessimists. I don't know if that's a good thing for the listener, but uh, yeah, um, welcome to the club. It, it's it's uh, it, it, we're only six weeks in. We have to do this at least ten more weeks, eleven more weeks. So, uh, long season ahead. I I truly believe this team, as presently constructed, could win the Super Bowl. I think they have as much talent and ability as any team in the NFL, and that's why this is so annoying and so frustrating. I think they have performed further below their abilities than maybe any other team in the NFL to this point. And I don't think it's all Harbaugh's fault. That's been one of the uh, Raven fan Twitter, you know, radio world calling cards, like time for Harbaugh to go. It has truly become a magical land where so many entities stink at the same time. And they're still barely losing football games by one score late. Harbaugh is making wrong decision after wrong decision. Had another one in this game, in my opinion. Uh, taking a four- Why have fourth down, guys, when you can instead have the offense of the Giants have a third down and get another chance to get a first down, which they were successful in. Mike McDonald's defense is getting beaten by sixth-string receivers and amid all sorts of blown coverages, Kyle Hamilton, I think he left his shoes somewhere on MetLife. He got burned a couple of times again. Greg Roman cannot get touchdowns out of this offense in the red zone, which is kind of the place where you need touchdowns the most when you're very close, and it's supposed to be easier at that point to get touchdowns. The majority of penalties that this team committed were either pre-snap penalties or personal fouls, which have nothing to do with talent, nothing to do with scheme, or even getting beat. It's just mental mistakes. Ronnie Stanley, just on a side note, played the entire game out of necessity because Morgan Moses got hurt, and he was fine. Guess what? He could play every snap, and he was fine, which tells me he's been healthy for weeks. So why wasn't he playing earlier in the season if he was fine? If he was truly still getting up to speed and on a pitch count, they would not have had him play every... He, I think he played every snap but like 10 offensively. That wouldn't have been the case if he were still getting ramped up or getting his conditioning down or still, you know, a little nervous. He was fine. 
So why wasn't he playing earlier? Lamar Jackson is making terrible mistakes in the exact situations where he's trying to do too much, which we have talked about on this show before in other games and in other seasons for this team. All of it is terrible, and the team is 3-3, three and three, tied for first place in the AFC North, and they have only trailed in their three losses for a grand total of 120 seconds. Oh God. Two minutes in three football games. They're an hour each, guys, so that's three hours of football that they have lost, and they have trailed for 120 of those seconds. Compared to the other three lost teams in the NFL, the average that those teams have been behind in their three losses is like an hour and a half in three games. Which makes sense. About half the game, about half the time. 120 seconds for this Ravens team, yet they have three losses. I almost wish they were worse, so this wouldn't all be so deflating. But this team is good. And they're shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again. I'm going to talk about this in a bit. Uh, I have 20 mistakes that I'm going to get to at a certain point, but I'm going to turn to you guys first. 20 in one game that I went through the all the notes and jotted down here. So, with that, boy... That's my first bit. Uh, any help, any assistance, just agreement. What do we got? Well, I think we have to we, we have to start with Lamar because I think a lot of the problems this team has late in games are coming down to his decision making. And just a broader point for me with this team that extends to the defense, all sides of the ball, that we haven't really touched on a ton on the show, but... Just in recent years, the player leadership just hasn't been there in this team. And I think it starts with Lamar because you mentioned in the big games and the biggest moments, he gets panicky. He gets frantic. He makes poor decisions. And I think we saw probably the worst decision of his entire career uh, on Sunday. I mean, I... I I was very frustrated, obviously, Antonio. We could, I don't backtrack however we want, but... I was very frustrated, but I thought the whole time, I was like, this is very annoying, but this is a game, it's going to be an annoying win. I thought it was going to be an annoying win. They go up 10, you know, in the fourth quarter, you're like, alright, this this sucked, they shot themselves in the foot, but they're up 10, nothing bad could happen. I let my guard down, bad <laughs> things happen, defense immediately gives up a touchdown, because why get a stop? Offense gets the ball back, and you go, okay, well, they're still up three. They've been running the ball for, like, eight yards of carry the entire game. Uh, great running game this had. They go over 200 rushing yards, and they're moving the ball. Things are going well. <laughs> and then they get the just all-time classic illegal formation penalty on a third and one after they that you see the flag fly as they easily convert what would have been a new set of downs. And I said, oh my god, this is this is not going to go well. But then it went so much worse than I expected, because Lamar had the worst turnover in his career. He picks up a bad snap, which of course, and then instead of just eat it, you're up three. He tries to rifle it into Patrick Ricard, of all people. Just an awful, awful decision. It screamed a panic in the moment. He just got the ball... And he panicked. He panicked. There's nothing else to say about it. He panicked in that moment. He he forced a pass what he didn't lead to, and that was basically game over because fat chance the Ravens defense was going to stop him in that moment. I, I had zero faith at that point. But so it, it was just bad. And there's we can get into some stats. I want Tim's opinion on this as well. 
but he's been bad for three weeks now and overall just very bad in the fourth quarter and, and I think it starts with him and the leadership the player leadership on this team panicking and just not closing in the big moments when the game gets tight the Ravens players don't step up and I we can get into coaching in a minute because I also think this extends into that but yeah I, I think there's a void of player leadership and it starts right with the quarterback yeah, top level, I, I completely agree with the both of you. Um, I think the leadership thing is, is certainly something where you look and you just say that there doesn't seem to be any sense of pride anymore. And, and we've mentioned that word a couple times this season already. Um, and then you just get like this stupid, weird subtweets, like Marlon Humphrey doing the insanity tweet that Harbaugh had to address on Monday at his press conference. It's like he shouldn't have to be talking about stuff like this, but it's because this is just a – a locker room and a coaching staff that doesn't seem to have those leaders. And I think Jace makes a good point. I think there's no sense of playing a complete football game. And when the pressure mounts, nobody wants to step up and face it, which is the most uncharacteristic Ravens thing. Like, you know, yeah, the Ravens have shot themselves in the foot over the years. And, yeah, they, you know, they've made m m crucial mistakes at particular times, and that's fine. But it never was – this bad where I can sit here and say you know I remember thinking like in Joe Flacco's early years and I'm, I'm not doing the comparison thing calm down of oh th that team didn't beat us we beat ourselves right and you'd say that a couple of times a year but you'd usually say it in the AFC championship game or a game that would decide the division or something like that and almost always came against the Steelers which was fun um that yesterday was a complete lack of preparation, a complete lack of execution, a complete lack of fight, a complete lack of effort, and a complete embarrassment. And, you know, I know I, I texted into the group and I see Jace has it on his notes here, but, you know, I'm not even I wasn't even kidding when I sent this, although it was kind of a funny crack, I will admit. I think we're just the Falcons now. I think we have switched bodies with the Falcons, where the Falcons have a bad quarterback, but they're 6-0 and against the spread because they are going to fight and compete in every game, even when they're not supposed to. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play defense when it matters. And sometimes it's a backdoor cover, and that's fine. But the Ra they are going to fight tooth and nail to the final whistle. The Ravens, as Antonio so eloquently pointed out, have only trailed for 120 seconds in three losses this season and yet sit at 500 because when the lights get bright, they fade into the darkness rather than step up into them. And I, I don't know. I, it's, it's so, yeah, of course I was upset. And of course I'm still upset. And, you know, and then, you know, I had moments of yelling and screaming at the referee and, and, and the players and stuff as well yesterday, but it was more a sad acceptance that this is just what this team is. And that's the part that, you know, the fact that, and I say this tongue in cheek, that we have to come on and do this and talk about this every week. is something I don't really look forward to anymore. <laughs> and it's nothing against Jace or Antonio, obviously, <laughs> but this is supposed to be a highlight of our week. You know, I, I joke about Podlick Raven and we love the listeners and I'm, I'm so thankful that, that there's a small cabal of people that still listen to this nonsense. But a lot of the time I like, I like to do it because it was an excuse to talk to you two about Ravens football. 
and you know jace on the he's on the west coast and antonio is in dc i don't see him as much as i used to anymore and it's nice to see you guys via zoom and, and talk football for a little bit i don't feel that anymore i dread doing this on mondays because i'm tired of talking about this team that frankly doesn't care about us anymore you're not wrong. A football there. team can make mistakes. <laughs> every NFL team makes mistakes in every game, and that's why, like the cliche of like you gotta execute, you know, you gotta. It's all about just finishing the play. That's why those coaches use those expressions because basically, the team that made fewer of the dumb mistakes wins the game, regardless of who the quarterback is, or the coach, or the talent on either side of the ball, or like the bad call that the ref made. It's mistakes. It's basically make fewer errors, bonehead plays than your opponent. And you're either going to win or be in position to win late. The Giants are a bad football team, in my opinion. They are 5-1. Five, five They're bad. Their quarterback stinks. He makes no above-average plays in a game. He none of the zero of them in a game. They had to resort to the Wildcat. That We haven't seen that in 10 years because the Ravens solved it 10 years ago with the Dolphins. The Wildcat plays did nothing. They had zero plays, the Giants did, that went over 20 yards that dictated that they were the better team, that they were the aggressor, that they were going to take control. The Giants did none of that. They just waited around with their 3.8 yards per play, which is what they averaged for the course of the game, and were fortunate that the Ravens made 20 different mistakes that have nothing to do with actual football play. It was like watching the thing I wrote down. It's like watching a car crash test where the Ravens were the car, and the wall, and the test dummy, and the pulley system, and the engineers, and the Giants were the cleaning service that, after the crash, walks over and calmly starts sweeping the pieces into the dustpan while the Ravens are looking around like, what just happened? They just existed, the Giants did, and the Ravens made mistake after mistake after mistake, which I'm going to get to in a second. Daniel Jones throws for 173 yards, was sacked four times. Saquon Barkley, the X-factor of this game, Averaged 3.8 yards per carry. I think he had like 80, 83 yards for the game. The Giants were outgamed by the Ravens by 168 yards. The Ravens ran for over 200 yards, which is another sort of metric that we use. If you rush for 200 yards, this Ravens team is unbeatable. They did that, and they still lost. If you had given me all this information without watching the game, and truly, I you know, without it being like, oh, this is going to be a... a Trick question. I would have truly guessed in an honest scenario that the Ravens had won this game by 20 points. And instead, they didn't even have the ugly win that Jace had a sense of. No, they just lost straight up by four <laughs> to this terrible Giants team. I'm going to run through the mistakes because I have to get it off my chest. Anything else you guys want to say quickly before I, I jump through? I don't, I don't want to talk for you know 20 minutes straight here. So anything well, to those last comments before I run through the, the list quickly? Just... What you're delving into, some of the stats you said, what you're about to say, that's that's why, to me, this is the worst loss of the season. Because the Giants aren't good. You know, the Dolphins made plays. Tua had six touchdowns, right? Yeah, The Bills have Josh Allen. They made plays. They had good defense. This was completely on the Ravens. The Giants did nothing to win this game, and the Ravens just handed it to them. And it was disgusting, and I'm going to... Uh, you know, uh, cover cover my eyes uh, as you as you read through this list of just horrendousness. But it was bad. It was so bad. <laughs> yeah, I know we're gonna go more in detail about the you know the coaching and Lamar and what have you, and, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but I want to make this point first before it might get lost, and it's been made by plenty of other people, and that's fine. Um, 
this team has to have a spark. It has gone stale. And I, I don't even know what it is. It, and, you know, I've I, I referenced him a lot because I think, one, you know, credit to him, he tweets a lot. And most people that tweet a lot, you're like, you can kind of get lost in the noise. But I feel like I like uh, Spencer Schultz at Ravens for Dummies tweets, like almost to an annoying level because I like almost everything he says and I just want to have it as a, as a reference point. So he's one of the people that's made this point. So that obviously this isn't an original thing, but I think it's true in that something is stale. And there is some sort of lack of cohesion where you can, like when the offense is good, the defense is bad. When the defense is good, the offense is bad. All the mistakes as Antonio is going to get to uh, in extreme depth. And yeah, I'm going to take my headphones off and maybe pour a very strong <laughs> cocktail while he goes through that. Um, but there, something has to change. And I don't even know what it is. Is, is it, is it firing Greg Roman right now? Is it, you know, they're not going to do it with, with the defense coordinator, obviously, the rookie. Is it, it's not going to be Harbaugh, obviously. Is it a Marcus Peters-type trade where I don't, I'm not even saying has to be receiver. And we'll get, I think we'll get to receiver in a second because uh, this spark, it ain't Deshaun Jackson, by the way, which are all the reports uh, if you haven't seen. It looks like they're going to bring 35-year-old Deshaun Jackson in for a workout. I'm sure that'll go swimmingly. It's not this edge rusher canard that they just signed to their practice squad. It's not... You know, sitting tight and not trading the fifth rounder for DJ Moore because, you know, oh, well, you know, DaCosta loves his draft picks or whatever. Something has to change this week, next week, before the trade. I think the trade deadline is week six. I could be wrong. That might have been moved back. It's coming. It's looming. Uh, November 1st. I don't know what week that corresponds. Okay. Well, so we got, what, two weeks now, at least, or just under two weeks to make this change. Something has to happen here where you either bring in a personality like a Marcus Peters. Remember, that team was 2-2 two and two and then traded for him, and then everything flipped when they went 14-2. and two. A, a coach firing? Uh, to, to sh- Something has to be shaken up. Like you got to take, take the Ravens as a team, grab them by the shoulders, and just vigorously shake them until something gets changed. Because if they're just going to grit their teeth and say – well, there were a lot of good plays out there. We just need to execute better and do that for the entire rest of the season. Kiss the division goodbye. Kiss the conference championship goodbye. Kiss the playoffs goodbye. And probably kiss Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson goodbye. Because we are at DEFCON. I don't know how it works. Is one the worst one? Is that the worst one? Or is it five? Whichever one. DEFCON red. Yeah. Whatever red is. Sure. <laughs> Five's the worst? Could be okay. I don't know how they do that countdown. The worst DEFCON. That's the one we're at right now. And, uh, yeah, if they don't do anything to change it, the Ravens as we know them, you know, it could be a folktale that we tell our grandkids about because it doesn't look like they're coming back. And the, the Peters edition was an interesting one because it wasn't just trading for a player at a position of need. It was a edge he was an edgy yes. player a big exactly. personality yep. that the team needed and he was good and he was a pro bowler and he immediately set the time i think he had a pick a pick six in the first game that he played in that seattle game uh and it gave that team that defense an edge and it gave that team an edge and that's a really good point jason do you have something else? sorry Jace, uh, real quickly let me just cut in real quickly because that seattle game is another thing that pe- everybody references oh we've been riding the wave of that that was what two or three years ago at this point like the wave of momentum of how, like, oh, man, the, the clip. Lamar, you want to go for it? Yeah, let's go for it. Then they remade it in that Kansas City game, which, by the way, amounted to nothing because then everybody got hurt. So I don't know why. it's That, that wave of 
holy crap, look at the momentum this team has. What is this team about? Is shot completely. Completely gone now. And and you you have to either refind it or find something different, or you know, this is gonna turn pear shaped very quickly. I just wanted to clarify, DEFCON 1, most severe, DEFCON 5, <laughs> least severe. Thank uh, you. Hand up. I was wrong on that one. So we're at DEFCON 0.5. It's worse than 1 on that ridiculous scale. Oh, man. All right. I'm going to run through these. I'm going to try to go through it quickly because there's so many to go through. Uh, and then, I don't know, play the how many of these mistakes it, would they have still won the game with 15 of them and they still would have won this game? Anyway. First and 10, Baltimore 40, first quarter, false start, Morgan Moses. Second and two, Baltimore 48, first quarter, false start, Pat Ricard. Third and eight, New York Giant 36, Lamar Jackson takes a six-yard loss on an option, uh, takes the Ravens out of field goal position, out of field goal range, with the best kicker in the history of the NFL, and they have to punt. Second and 10, New York Giant 32, first quarter, false start again, Pat Ricard. Third and 16 from the New York Giant 38-yard line in the first quarter. Lamar Jackson, pass incomplete, short right to Kenyon Drake. I get it. This is an incomplete pass. It's a wide-open throw. It's the gimme throw. This is the throw that the defense wanted you to take because it was third and 16. But if you complete it, you get 5-10 yards, and you make your field goal for Tucker, a chip shot, anything inside of 50. Instead, it's a bad throw. His Lamar Jackson's feet are all messed up, and he misses him by like three yards on a very simple throw, forces the Ravens to kick a 56-yard field goal, which is my other mistake, because Justin Tucker misses it, hits the upright. Some may say a 56-yard field goal is not a mistake. I say ask Justin Tucker if that was a mistake, or if it was just, you know, a tough play that sometimes they make and sometimes they don't. He will tell you that is within his range, which which means he has to make it. He did not. I chalk it up as a mistake. Jace's favorite play in the NFL. Justin Tucker kicks off from the 65 yards from the Baltimore 35 to the New York Giant 0 because the Ravens love running this play where they do a kickoff that forces the other team to return it and then they try to tackle them inside of the 25-yard line instead of just booting it through the end zone for a touchback. What happens? Giants return it to the 47-yard line. They were like three or four missed tackles. I'm calling that a mistake. I don't care if it's the players, the coaching staff. That's a mistake. Third and four at the Baltimore 47. This is in the second quarter. Daniel Jones pass short right for three yards. Makes it fourth down and one. There's a penalty on the New York football Giants. The Ravens accept the penalty. Make it third down again. (laughs) The Giants on the next play convert the third down. And it's now first down. Move the chains instead of fourth and one. Guess what? Analytics probably said that... It was much better to take the third and, I think, 13, as opposed to fourth and one. Didn't work, so that's a mistake. (laughs) First and ten at the Baltimore 11. Penalty on Baltimore. Defensive, too many men on the field. Five yards. A penalty that has nothing to do with the play of your team. Just communication on a substitution. Five free yards for the Giants. Second and ten at the Baltimore 25. This is in the second quarter. Penalty. False start, Morgan Moses, his second of the game. The fourth for the Ravens to that point in the first half of this football game. <laughs> fourth and five from the New York Giants, 30. Uh, the Giants punt, and there's a penalty holding on Tylen Wallace. Ten-yard penalty. Move the ball back ten yards. Fourth and one 
Giants punt again. I'm going to make sure that I get this right. That's right. Their return man runs out of bounds, and our new signing, linebacker, uh, Klein, I forget his first name. AJ. AJ Klein. The return man is clearly out of bounds, so AJ Klein just shoves him further out of bounds, right into the stands. Unnecessary roughness, 15 yards. Just for no reason. Wasn't, wasn't necessary at all. Play was over. Third and five at the Baltimore 44. This is in the third quarter. Daniel Jones passed short right to Saquon Barkley for four yards. Fourth and one. But there's an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Adafi Owe for, I think, ripping off former Raven Ben Bredesen's helmet. 15 yards, first down for the Giants instead of fourth and one. <laughs> Later in the game, third and one at the Baltimore 44. Uh... Lamar Jackson rushes for two yards and a first down. There's a penalty on Baltimore. Illegal formation. We've talked about that one. And then I broke this down into part one and part two because <laughs> yes. there's two mistakes. There's two mistakes in one play here. Uh, third and five at the Baltimore. 40. Three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Lamar Jackson fumbles. I don't know if that's on Jackson or the center. Kind of look like both. And then Jackson picks up the ball, is able to scramble away from a sack, and instead of throwing it out of bounds, part two, decides to throw across his body to his 300-pound fullback, who is double-covered. It's the easiest interception that the Giants will have all season. Their first of the season, by the way, for the New York Giants. <laughs> uh, turnover, turnover there. Third oh. and three at the Baltimore six, with two minutes left. Daniel Jones passed short middle, intercepted by Marcus Peters, but intercepted in large part because of one of the most blatant holds that you can have directly in front of the back judge <sighs> let's keep going first and 10 at the baltimore 25 with a minute and 43 lamar jackson pass incomplete short left to demarcus robinson because it was the droppiest <laughs> drop in the history of drops that's kind of a football play but it's a drop i'm counting it as a mistake he was wide open second and 10 at the baltimore 25 with a minute and 40 lamar jackson sacked for negative eight yards and fumbles recovered by the giants and then the final one, mistake number 20. Chuck Clark completely losing the edge on maybe second and eight, something like that. Saquon Barkley runs around him. Chuck Clark is setting the edge, blitzes, misses Barkley, takes out a different Raven defender who was trying to also tackle Saquon Barkley. He then rush, runs for a first down, kneels, you know, drops two yards before the end zone to end the game uh, effectively. 20 mistakes that the Ravens made that I chalked up in this play, in this game, against a bad team where they lost by four points uh, in the last minute. I hate it. I hate this team. I hate football. 17 of those mistakes, and they still probably win this game. But they didn't make 17 mistakes. They made 20. And I'm sad. Uh, with good reason to be. And I Phew. guess... God, that, that was painful. That was oh, painful. <laughs> That uh, it hurt to hear, and, and I mean, it was just so many, so many bad things. I mean, <laughs> the end of game sequence obviously is what'll stand out to me forever. But uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's so many little things that add up to big things. I don't even know if you mentioned it. I might have lost track of it somewhere <laughs> in the twenty. But the Mark Andrews, there was a deflected ball, but kind of had basically a touchdown go off his face in the end zone. Like there was yep. just so many things. Uh, awful and I guess for me that's like where I circle back to 
you know, the players have to take some ownership. You just, you, you gotta line up correctly. <laughs> but that also, to me, falls back on coaching, right? Like, I feel like this is back to coaching in the end. And for me, you know, we talked about it, but it just feels like this year... Because the Ravens have been undisciplined before. This was a thing I was thinking. I was like, they're really undisciplined. But they've had some some very undisciplined uh, teams under John Harbaugh in the past. You know, like, they were, they were never the cleanest outfit. But it does feel like they're poorly coached this year. And I don't think we've ever been able to say that about a Harbaugh team before. Um and it is just, you know, like they, the players, they talked at length about uh, beating themselves, um, multiple Ravens Center, Lamar, Ronnie Stanley, but they keep doing it. And the fact that they keep doing it, that's on the coach. That's like, and the coaching staff. Cause like, for me, it's like, that's what you're, you're literally paid to do. Probably millions of dollars for John Harbaugh, <laughs> uh, maybe $10 million a year. I don't know what it's coaching salaries are a very nebulous thing in the NFL, but he's probably making a lot since he's been there 15 years now. And you know, you can, literally can't go on the field. You're only paid to, to get these players ready to play. And if the player leadership isn't there, you have to inspire them, get them all on the same page get the most out of them and the Ravens are not getting the most out of their players. I think that's clear this year. And I think, you know, in the end, fair or unfair, it could be unfair. John Harbaugh's obviously done great things here, but in the end, it still comes back um, on him for me. And it's like, there's a ton of injuries. Sure. But we've talked about it. They have too much talent. This team could be six and oh, probably should be six and oh, <laughs> and they're not. Um, and that, that ultimately in the end falls on the coach because the buck stops with him. I mean, there's yeah, I, roster construction problems, but he's the guy. Right, and that's the thing. I don't want to say, like, in general, you know, it's definitely this person's fault. It's definitely this person's fault. Because, like, illegal formation, a lot of that's on the players. But the fact that it's been able to happen over and over and over again, I think, is a coaching problem. Like, I think it's funny. You're allowed to have nuance in conversation, although a lot of people won't, you know, won't want to hear that. On the execution of mistake stuff before maybe, I don't know if we're going to move off of it or get into some other topics here. Um, the fourth quarter and the blown leads and things, I think have been really bad. Um, I th understatement of the year, Tim, I know. Uh, but, you know, last week I came on here and I was, or was it last week or, yeah, yeah, if they would have lost against the Bengals, I was like, I'm not blaming the defense. They did their job enough. I know they kept blowing it late, but I'm not blaming them. I'm you know, I was standing on the table for the defense. I'm not doing that here. Um, I think that they are certainly just as culpable, um, if not, you know, more so than the offense. But here's some stats coming from the likes of Jeff Zarebeck and Bo Smolka, obviously two uh, Ravens reporters here, that are focusing on the offense and the meltdowns in the fourth quarter. And this kind of just ties into this mistakes conversation that Antonio is having. We'll start with Jeff. Quote, the Ravens' defense has gotten much of its criticism for the fourth-quarter meltdowns and deservedly so. Accurate point. Jeff is a smart man. Offense is pretty culpable, too, though. Ravens have had 15 full fourth-quarter drives. 15 full drives. This does not include kneeling down to end games, what have you. 15 full fourth-quarter drives. Drives all of the fourth quarter. I'm just hammering this point home. They've either thrown an interception or fumbled on six of those 15 drives. Over a third of those drives, they have turned the ball over. And they've, and they've turned the ball over on downs once as well. Seven out of 15 times, almost half the times, they have given the ball to the, other, to, the, to the defense, to the opposing team, 
and not even punting the ball, which is just absolutely just despicable. Uh, to focus on one player, that player being the quarterback who wants all this money. And I don't, we don't have to do the contract thing. People have done it. It's stupid to say that a couple of mistakes are makes makes him not one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league when he gets his new deal. But there's nuance with the guaranteed money. Whatever. We're not doing that today. Uh, Bo on Twitter says, quote, the defense has taken its shots with reason. Again, Bo, smart man. But Lamar Jackson simply has to pay, play better late in games. Jackson's fourth quarter this year uh, from pro, pro Football Reference. 29 of 45, one touchdown, four interceptions, a quarterback rating of 56.3. Now, QB rating, QBR, who really knows what it means? It's a bunch of whole stats put together. So what Bo did is he compared it to the other three quarters. In the first quarter of this uh, of games this season, Lamar Jackson has a 97.8 rating. In the second quarter, 114.8, cooking him. Third quarter, 100.6. I remind you, in the fourth quarter, 56.3. It drops almost – it almost halves from the other three, the average of the other three quarters. It, And it's just one of those things where, again, and I'm not going to belabor the Falcons' point, but I never am ever, ever – and it's this is – this – this scar is going to take a very long time to heal. I am never going to feel comfortable w- about the Ravens until we've got zeros on the clock. Um, and I will say one thing on this because I know uh, Jace has another point here before we move on. You did miss one mistake, Antonio, and I completely agree on the kickoff, and that's where I want circle to circle back to. Just kick it through the end zone. You got Justin Tucker. He can do it. Just kick it through the end zone and take it to 25. I don't know which camera guy was trying to get a job with Marvel um, or, or like the DC universe or whatever, but my God, that was, I couldn't even watch it one because it was just terrible coverage. And again, I'm with Jace. It's the stupidest play the Ravens run. And that's saying something, but that camera guy was making me sick. Like I put that, put that as mistake number 21 on this list. Bad camera guy on the kickoff. It was, it was horrendous. (laughs) Uh, Tim, the only thing I just wanted to kind of chime in on, on those Lamar numbers that's astonishing and, and kind of drives it home with the, the QB rating, 56.3. So the worst quarterback in the NFL this year by rating who's played multiple games is Baker Mayfield. Oh, I was going to say it. Uh, and he has a 71.9 on the season. So Lamar's almost, you know, 15 points worse than that in the fourth quarter. That's he basically if he if Lamar's fourth quarter if you built the whole game out of Lamar's fourth quarter he's the worst quarterback in the NFL and that's tough <laughs> that's tough to win like that and they're not behind in these <laughs> it's not like this is a team that all the fourth quarters they're down two touchdowns he gets more predictable because he's got to push the ball downfield and that's when mistakes happen they're ahead in all these games <laughs> multiple scores. I hate it. It took six games. They've broken me. I'm so angry. <laughs> this team is so talented. Oh, my gosh. All right. Um, I've said enough, I think, of this team and of this game. Anything else that you guys want to touch on on this team, on this game that we haven't uh, that we haven't yet? Yeah, because let's move off of it. Because, and I think Jason and I, you know, you have, you have laid the groundwork for this episode here, Antonio, because we've said all this crap. And it's just not changing, and it's and now it's one of those where like, I I'm like shaking behind bars, like I know I'm not the crazy one, like this is not <laughs> trust me, look at this. Um, I I will say one thing that I, I was definitely wrong about though, um, and it wasn't me trying to zag, and it wasn't me, you know, thinking that 
people were just being criti critical of the Ravens or there's a bias or whatever. I truly thought that they would be able to get away with this receiver room. Um, I thought that Devin DuVarnay, and frankly, I still think I'm pretty right about that, uh, that he is a competent weapon in this offense, although he didn't get fed the ball at all in this game. I don't know why. Um, doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, Rashad Bateman can't stay on the field. Like, that guy's got to prove he can stay healthy. And, and I, I know it's bad luck, but this is getting ridiculous. And I thought with the the addition of Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews basically just being a wide receiver anyway, that they were going to be fine. Uh, that's wrong. It's just, it's just simply wrong. Um, and, you know, again, this is not me doing – well, blame them, blame this, because the entire structure, organization, front office, coaching staff is to blame for what's going on here. But the fact that a Rashad Bateman injury for, yeah, your number one receiver, sure, but not like some super superstar, has crippled this passing game to this degree where it just was disjointed and, and Jace used the perfect, or maybe it was Antonio, one of you used the perfect word earlier, jumpy. Um, the fact that it has been limited to that where Tylen Wallace can't do it. James Prochet ain't it. And the Ravens, if you don't know, like I wasn't even joking about, excuse me, Deshaun Jackson. If you don't live on Twitter, you probably know this by now. But Adam Schefter tweeted on Monday that Deshaun Jackson's coming to the castle. Uh, and they're going to have a visit with him and a workout, and we'll see. Deshaun Jackson is 35. He is not going to <laughs> fix these problems. And, you know, I think that the – when I said shakeup – if, if I had to pick my number one, my number one shakeup thing is trade for a dynamic receiver. Uh, my one a is trade for a guy that's got a little bit of fight, a little bit of Marcus Peters in him. Cause clearly more of that is needed, but yeah, I just, at this point in time, we're what six games in now I can say definitively this team, this team is not good enough. Uh, the, the receiver room, everybody was right. We'll just put it that way. The receiver room is severely hampering this team and, improvement has to be made this season yeah five, five catches 45 yards on sunday that uh that's not gonna get it done um from your wide receivers um that's all of them put together yes, just to just to clear that for the listener like, jace didn't pick wide receiver one no no yeah, that's the whole yeah, core that's all three it was three guys it was mark demarcus robinson uh devin duvernay had one catch tyler wallace had one catch for four yards congrats um so tim's right there the only big picture thing I guess to leave for me, and maybe I'm reactionary, I should I should see the long view more, but there's a lot of weird to me defense of like the Ravens and oh. their process and what yep. they do and a lot, a lot of that on Twitter and I think it's okay to say John Harbaugh has not had a good season the coaching staff has not had a good season the Ravens are playing are not a good team and they're not getting what they should out of this team the, they have a losing record in their last 23 games that's not that small a sample size they're one game under 500 in their last 23 games and you know that's a trend and, and <laughs> the trend says they're a very mediocre team uh, over a season and a half now and, yeah, injuries, but every team's injured to hell. The Niners are devastated with injuries. They're probably going to win the NFC West. It's uh, – and I and I can't say the Ravens aren't going to win the NFC North, but it, <laughs> I guess. But it, it just – we don't have to just accept it and say, ah, you know, these things happen, I guess, is, is my point. Uh, it, it, it just – it's mediocre. It's not good enough. 
And there's been a lot of harping on, oh, the schedule gets easier. The Ravens don't play uh, a team with a winning record the rest, uh, like the rest of the season, basically, as, as of now. The Ravens don't have a winning record. We're a team without a winning record. So, like, this idea that the Ravens' schedule just opens up and becomes easier, this is a mediocre team. And so that's been driving me crazy. And, yeah, I think that's my ultimate takeaway is, is until they learn how to finish a game, this is a very 500 team once again. I once got in a fight, uh, not a physical fight, but an, arg- an argument with uh, somebody that went to the, the University of Maryland with us. I'm actually going back on Tuesday to speak to some journalism students. That'll be super fun. Uh, <laughs> the pay's bad, but the job's fun. Um, <laughs> and it was uh, it was about Maryland basketball. And it basically he told me, you can't be a fan if you're going to criticize the team. Um, and this came from a person that supported the then Redskins, now Commanders. Um, and so, you know, I was like, that's hilarious. Is, is that how you deal with, with this? You just, like, idly let it go by. But sure, why not? Um, and, yeah, I think we we and Jace and I, and I think he wouldn't mind me throwing him into this. Sometimes we go overboard, and sometimes we're incredibly pessimistic, and, and maybe we should get have a little more leeway. Um, but, nah, I'm going to say it. If you're employed by the team or were employed by the team and then you're trying to be, quote, independent reporter and go on Twitter acting like I'm going to tweet out just like any reporter would, stop. Because it's just everybody knows what you're doing. And it, it really finding just scratching and clawing for any positivity when there clearly isn't any is 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 hack. It's hack. It's completely hack. And I and not even those people, but for like the people, you know, like a Jeff Zarebeck or whatever from the Athletic. I think he does a very good job of balancing being critical, but also knowing, look, he he's got sources. He has to talk to people in the building. He can't just blast the team all the time. So he has to find a good balance of of you know being reasonable. Something that I can certainly say hand up that I'm not all the time. And I think he does a very good job with that where it's critical when it needs to be but you know sometimes if people are like he can also be like hey look it's not as bad as you think and and that's and that's perfect beat reporter what they should be i'm tired of the i'm just being positive because i'm a fan and if you can get off the bandwagon if you want to it's like what what the hell are you talking about that this team is way more of my identity than i care to admit and they they don't care about me they don't know who i am and for whatever reason i've cared this much but with, because of that sweat equity, I think I'm allowed to be critical when needed. And, and why, you know, four people listen to us scream into a microphone every week. And, yeah, Jace, that stuff drives me absolutely crazy. And it, it, it gets to a point where, you know, you want to keep following these people because it's I, I want as much Ravens information as possible to bring you a very good product here on Pod Like a Raven, but also just because I'm a sicko. Um <laughs> But yeah, there there are points where it's just like, all right, I'm done. I can't I can't watch or listen to this content anymore because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that you're essentially lying to people um, because you're you just think being negative is a bad thing, and it's just that's not the case. I want to tie up a last loose end here that Jace was talking about with Harbaugh. Uh, Nine million per season, Jace for Harbaugh Jesus. doesn't call plays on offense, doesn't call plays on defense. Obviously, he serves a major role. He's the head coach of a football team and has been there for 10 years. But 
you know, what is the job at, at this point if the team has no identity and makes a lot of mistakes and is underachieving? So we'll leave it at that. And I'm going to use that as a pivot point to a surprise new segment that I might do weekly, but I'm definitely going to do it once. And the uh, my co-hosts do not know what this is, but it's John Harbaugh related because I couldn't help myself. Uh, we will do the Random Raven. Uh, I'm up this week, so I'll do that in, in a minute or two, but... You know, we, we are experimenting, phasing things in and out. We've done so many of the random ravens that the list is getting thin. So I have a new game for today, and we can decide how we want to have you guys guess it. But it's it's two truths and a lie, John Harbaugh quote style. Oh, God. So I have three, <laughs> for the listener who doesn't maybe watch or listen to so many of the John Harbaugh press conferences, they're gold in the sense that they're not gold. He never says anything. He repeats himself. He doesn't want to give any edge to the opposition by uh, giving information on any players. So I have two real John Harbaugh quotes, and then I have a quote that I just made up, and I'm going to see if my co-hosts can figure out which is the one that I made up. So option here is for me to read all three, and then you guys just go. Or I do them one at a time, and you say, that one's real, that one's fake. Now, read, so all, any- read all three, because if we know that one of them is a lie, read all three. And I, First of all... okay. Brilliant idea. Uh, if you listen to the Marlon Humphrey post game, he basically turned into Harbaugh. All he said was, "We got to watch the film. We got to watch the film. We got to watch the film," uh, and then did the insanity tweet. So that's super fun. Um, and then I think Jace, you and I should collab on this. I think let's yeah. let's brain power together and let's figure out what the fake one is. All right. So I will run through the three quote. I mean, it's possible my co-host. They are plugged in. They do a lot of homework for the show. It's possible you, you've you've read the real one, so I'm I'm a little concerned about that. But anyway, here are the three John Harbaugh quotes. <clears throat> he's doing well. I mean, you know, he's uh, he looks good. It's just a matter of when he is really ready, you know, to play at a high level. And uh, and I do believe he's getting close. End quote. Quote number two. Yeah, it is what it is, you know. Uh, I'm not going to speculate on that, and I'm certainly not going to say something that's... Uh, well, let me, I'm reading this incorrectly. Uh, this is I'm certainly not going to say something that lets on to this football team's strategy heading into next week. Let me read that one more time. Yeah, it is what it is, you know. I'm not going to speculate on that, and I'm certainly not going to say something that's going to let on to this football team's strategy heading into next week. That's quote number two. Quote number three, it's just us, as I told them. It's us. It's us together. All of us together. Let's get to where we can be and where we need to be. Where I think, where I think we all can see we should be. It's our responsibility to do it, though. And we have to go get the job done. So those are the three. <laughs> all right. Those so, are the three quotes. They all, all right. sound real. <laughs> so they all certainly sound real. Um, I will go and I will say, you know, hand up. Admittedly, I have not really seen any. Uh, I have not really seen any of the the Harbaugh stuff. Work got in the way uh, on Monday as we record. It's a busy day. Um, I'm thinking number one because I, I don't. But that one sounds very very real. So now I'm starting to lean that way as well because I'm like, 
It sounds like something he definitely said, but I'm like, but they have like 12 different guys injured. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Uh, the, the third one I think is definitely real. I feel like that's, I, I don't know if I saw that or something, but the it, third it was one, so, the it was third so long one just it felt said, like, like it was <laughs> something he rambled on about at the press What's conference. What's fun is that I stumbled on all three of them yeah. because there's so much word salad going on in all of them. Uh, the thir- so the third shout one, out to Harbaugh for that. Yeah, the third one is legitimately you threw you just like made a website that was called like coach ai and you just click randomize and you get that and that's just harbaugh like just spits that out of his mouth like the robot that he is um i'm gonna go number one is fake but again i mean they're all so so close i i think it's one it could be two though just because i don't even know that john harbaugh would go so far as to say anything the word strategy But uh, but I I like to side with Tim. I'll go with one as well. All right. When speaking about the availability of Gus Edwards, John Harbaugh did say he's doing well. I mean, you know, he's uh, he looks good. It's just a matter of when he is really ready, you know, to play at a high level. And I do believe he's getting close. That is John Harbaugh. It's a real quote about Gus Bus. Uh, And then uh, as we record this on Monday. In speaking to how this team will finish out games, how they have to close, how they have to be better in the fourth quarter, John Harbaugh said today, it's just us, as I told them. It's us. It's us together. All of us together. Let's get to where we can be and where we need to be, where I think we all can see we should be. That's like reading Rainbow, (laughs) Dr. Seuss stuff from John Harbaugh. That's a real quote. The fake one that I made up, which he's probably, to be honest, has probably said two-thirds of this in some shape or form yeah it is what it is you know i'm not going to speculate on that and i'm certainly not going to say something that lets on to this football team strategy heading into next week he hasn't said it yet that is the made-up quote uh in in our first edition of of harbaugh quotes that that first one i was like that's so generic there's no chance that was what he actually said and that's where I got the idea, Jace. I saw that. I either heard it or saw it in a tweet, and I said, this is, this needs to be a segment because that's not a human being speaking about anything. Uh, that's incredible. So, okay. So, that yeah, that's it for that segment. And now it's time to turn to the Random Raven, uh, where I am up this week with a player that I do think my co-hosts, and I hope some of the listeners will get as well. This Random Raven was drafted by the Denver Broncos in 2005 out of the... University of Maryland, the alma mater of all three of us. He played in Denver for three seasons, then one season in Atlanta, before finishing his career in Baltimore. He was signed in 2009 and started all 16 games, making 53 tackles, four interceptions, and 16 pass deflections. In honor of the Ravens of the last few years, this player tore his ACL on the first day of training camp in 2010, missing the whole season. The knee continued to be a problem in 2011, and after playing in only two games, he was sidelined for the rest of the season and would eventually retire. This player wore number 24 and has since gone on to have a very successful second career as an NFL pundit on various radio and TV shows. We will figure out at the end of the show who this random raven is, but I'm going to assume my co-hosts are... Mostly, mm-hmm. all over this. Yeah, yeah. He so I don't. I don't. Apologies if you said this in the clues, but he. I guess he wasn't on the Super Bowl team, right? He was not. He was gone. Weird. 
uh, after 2011. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that, yeah. No ring for, for this random rate. All right. Um, so let's turn to, the, let's turn now to the NFL where again, we're trying out some, some new things. So I'm only going to tease, well, tease, that's a, a gambling term Four three and a half point underdogs one outright, which is always, always fun uh, from the gambling perspective. Six underdogs won their games outright. Not against the spread, just outright. I don't know. I've seen, I saw part of the game. I saw all the highlights. I don't know how the Bucks lost. D- still can't really figure it out. Uh, I don't know how the Packers got blown out at home to the New York Football Jets after winning, I think, their last 15 games at Lambeau and looked pedestrian and outmatched by a not very good uh, New York Jets team. So, New York, you know, good job, guys. You got teams to root for that are winning football games. I don't think either of them make the playoffs. <laughs> and if they do, they will be first-round exits because they're not very good, and I'm clearly still bitter about this weekend. Uh, any thoughts on the underdogs before we break out our, our new uh, new segment on the NFL section? Um, I think it's just that everybody sucks. <laughs> like, the Eagles are our last undefeated team, and, like... I will admit I haven't seen a ton of Eagles games. Uh, I watched a little bit of the Sunday night game uh, before before falling asleep. Um, I, I, you know, they're good, but I don't know if they're, like, going to be undefeated good, although well, people it, keep saying that. And they don't score in the second half. Like, all these games, right. they jump out to big leads and kind of just sit on them. <laughs> it seems Which is like not, not a strategy for not a good success. Recipe. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, nothing really jumps. I mean, like, the Packers are objectively bad. Um, the Dolphins, remember when they were going to go undefeated? I know they've had quarterback issues, but like that, they've fallen flat on their face. The Vikings are five and one, and everybody's like, hey, "Yeah, okay, okay, settle down, Minnesota." Uh, the Cardinals scored nine points against a historically bad defense. Uh, the Rams, you know, the Panthers covered against the Rams, I, I believe, or no, they actually didn't late; it got pulled away late. But the Rams are still just kind of eh, only beating uh, the Panthers by fourteen. Um, you know, it, we're getting to the point where the three and three Bailey Zappy led Patriots are people like, oh, the Pats are good. It's just like, no, they're not. They they're they're sound and they're well coached, which is you know, a nice, what's that like? Must be nice. Um, and then yeah, I guess the only other big one was the um, the Patrick Mahomes is an underdog at home, so bet the over and bet the Chiefs didn't really turn out well uh, because it was twenty four twenty. As Romo Stradamus, as they talk about in the first quarter, correctly predicted. But uh, a very good win for the Bills. Um, you know, I think I, I know Antonio does. I like listening, even though I don't gamble as much uh, legally. I, I like to just listen to gambling stuff because I think it offers an interesting perspective on how to look at games and how to watch games. Everybody was on the Chiefs as the underdog here because Mahomes had never been an underdog at home. And the Bills, you know. Maybe we should have taken in the factor that the Bills have wanted this game and wanted it for a very long time. Um, and, yeah, right now, I mean, for me right now, it looks like Bills, Eagles, Chiefs are in a league of their own and everybody else, you know, I'm kind of joking when I say this, but not really. Everybody else kind of stinks. Well, there's only three winning teams in the entire NFC, Tim. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's there. Everyone else is 500 or worse, including, like, the entire NFC West, basically. Um the I will just say on to touch on just the Bills Chiefs briefly. It was a great game, obviously. Um, I'd kind of forgotten that the Bills won this game by 18 in the regular season last year. Uh, so they'd won an Arrowhead before, but obviously the playoff game that kind of wipes everything away. 
But it was a it was a damn good game, and I just I'm so mad at the Ravens because I just spent the entire game watching this great game between two teams going Ravens can't compete with these teams and I'm so mad uh, that they just did Jace well, they just know, did that's and that's thing. what doesn't make any sense this team is good why are they so bad yeah they did blow it to the bills but yeah I, I, it just it made me feel that I can't help how I feel Antonio I felt like I was just bitter the whole time I couldn't enjoy uh, a great game because I was just still sulking over the disgrace that we watched earlier so that kind of put a put a damper i'd say on the rest of my nfl watching <laughs> on sunday was just ravens hangover so I, I hope they get back in the win column soon because i can't i can't i can't have the rest of my nfl spoiled by the ravens every week <laughs> yeah so that's it's it's a weird year it has been a weird year in terms of favorites versus underdogs a weird year in terms of i guess we'll call it parody but it really is just poor play uh, a month plus a month and a half into this season so many three and three teams uh so many pedestrian teams and as as tim pointed out just a couple of contenders i guess and everybody else just mashed into the middle which makes it even more annoying i will get over this in about five days what an opportunity it could have been for the Ravens to start hot uh, and make a run for the one seed in you know in a weird NFL season where you could get a bye and, and not have to play uh, a playoff game because you know the Ravens are also not very good at that uh, in the last ten years. Anyway, we had a new idea that was sent in to us by uh, Garrett Smith. Tim, can I do the sh- shout out? Yeah, Correct shout, shout out. Man. Garrett Smith had an idea for the NFL segment, so thank you for listening, Garrett. Um, and it's a fun one with all the morose comments that, that I've made, at least. Saddest team of the week. Uh, which team had the worst showing? Which team is the most objectively poor team? Maybe in that specific game, that specific week. Or is just like holding the title for the season thus far as, as the saddest team. And this is going to, it's going to, it's going to frustrate me even more because I wrote my answer to this. Before the Ravens played on Sunday, <laughs> so I had I still had the you know that that Bambi optimism before his mother is like you know gunned down in the meadow Jesus. at the beginning of the at the be- yeah I'm just this is how it's gone Tim this is how I feel <laughs> so I wrote this uh, inspired by the Thursday night football game and I said that the saddest team in the NFL this week is the group of viewers who watched Thursday night football. <laughs> Uh, I mostly mean the fans of the Chicago Bears or DC Commanders, um, but mostly just anybody watching the Bears against the Commanders. Their quarterbacks are very, very bad. Wentz is Wentz. Uh, one play is good, the next is bad, and the third is nonsensical. Fields, meanwhile, for the Bears, every passing down genuinely looks like it is a struggle. His over-under passing yards for the game was set at, like, 165. And after watching a few series, you have no idea how he's ever going to make the over of 165 yards. His throws are off target. His throws are out of bounds. His throws are behind receivers. He zeroes in on his first read. And then receivers drop his throws when he actually gets it to them. Uh, And the whole time I was watching this Thursday night football game... All I could think of at the time, wow, what innocence, the innocent lamb that I was, was wow, thank goodness we have a very, very good QB, which makes Raven football games fun to watch. 
Uh, and so then I, the next, I think Friday maybe, the next day, I, I, I jumped in, I did a deep dive on Lamar Jackson. Because at the time, he was 40 and 14 for his career. And they had, that had been talked about a lot in the national media. Uh, and so I did a deep dive at the losses. And this was supposed to be this like positive, turn the sad team of the week into this positive that Lamar Jackson has only lost 14 games in four and a half years. And there's like four of them total where it was a game where he got beat badly by a team that was worse. And that's incredible. At the time, it was supposed to be a positive segment <laughs> about how incredible it was that in four and a half years, Lamar Jackson really got just beat by a worse team a couple of times. He has 14 losses. Three of the 14 losses, well, now it's 15, by the way. Three of the losses were against the Chiefs, where Chiefs were like probably a touchdown favorite. He had a few division one-score losses, which were always going to happen. He had the Pats loss in New England in a hurricane by one score. They lost to the Titans at home in overtime by one score, obviously with an overtime game. Everything was super close, and this was over his career at this point, over a four-and-a-half-year career. And he had a couple of bad ones. He had the Bengals home game last year where they got pretty much just blown out. Uh, there was the Browns game in 2019. They got beat badly, and then you know, won the next 12 games or whatever. They had the Miami Thursday night game last year that was gross. And that was about it. <laughs> Every other game was close, competitive. They came back or they won. And I was going to just bring it up as, uh, <laughs> you know, watching that horrendous, sad Bears-Commanders game on Thursday. I was reflecting how lucky the team is how lucky we are to root for and watch Lamar Jackson every week. And then I had to watch Sunday, and they've broken me, and I'm sad. And so now I don't know. Maybe we're the saddest team of the week. And that's all I have to say about the matter. It kind of feels like we're the saddest team <laughs> in my head. But uh, I think there is a, uh, two potential answers to the, the saddest team. Uh, we mentioned them both, actually, but... I think the Packers have to be considered for this because they're in trouble. Um, you lose 17 points. The Jets are improving for sure. But you lose 17 by 17 to the Jets in Lambeau. That's a problem. You're, 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 uh, you're in crisis mode. Uh, <laughs> things are not going great. This was you know, the first, I believe, back-to-back -back losses of Matt LaFleur's entire tenure uh, since 2019. So the Packers are clearly a much worse team than I think people thought they'd be this season. Um, and there's still a lot of time. So that's why they're not my pick ultimately, because I still, I still have some trust in Aaron Rodgers. I still trust Matt LaFleur. There's some good things there. That was an awful loss. And so they might be the saddest team of the week, but I'm going, my nominee this week, my pick is, uh, the saddest team in the whole NFL. It's the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they're the worst team in the NFL. Um, and the reason they're my sad pick is they're clearly hurtling towards the number one overall pick. And, uh, you know, we're six weeks in. We've played six games, and they still have to do this for 11, 12 weeks, and it's just a lost cause. And I, you feel bad for the guys on the team. Like, football is just such a brutal sport to just know you have no hope and, and nothing, really, this whole this whole rest of the season. It's like, what's there to play for? It's nothing. You've already fired the coach. You're one in five. Um, so they lose 24-10 to uh the rams on sunday rams not play well they're one but the one touchdown the panthers managed was a matt stafford pick six 
Uh, they have the worst offense in the NFL. They ended up with their fourth string QB after PJ Walker got hurt. They mustered 203 yards. It's just tough, and it's going to be a long, long year, and it's going to get worse. I mean, they already shipped Robbie Anderson out. He had a spat with coaches on the sideline yesterday, uh, I think kind of knowing what he was doing to get out of town, uh, but it sounds like they might really be selling off. There's rumors Christian McCaffrey could be on the move, and, and if you start selling like the only good players this team has, like selling them off and trading them, this might be like a one in sixteen team or something. It's 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 bleak. They've gotten the worst quarterback play in the NFL, and they're they're on their fourth string QB. And this this tweet just really summed it up. It was just so sad. I read it this afternoon, and I have to share it. It's from from Joe Person, who's the Athletics Carolina Panthers writer. He wrote, "Quote." The quarterback carousel is real in Carolina. Rattling off the options, DJ Moore got through Baker, Darnold, PJ Walker, but could not come up with Jacob Eason's name. That's the man who was their their quarterback for the rest of Sunday's game. <laughs> so, so that's tough. Uh, so made eye contact with him in the huddle. In theory, in theory, spoke to him <laughs> on multiple occasions on Sunday alone. But yeah, um, so that I saw that tweet and I was like, man, that's that's bleak and i think that really is uh when we're looking for saddest team of the week that for me it's the panthers they're you know we're six weeks in and they're already seem like a lock for the first pick so uh a lot going bad in carolina these days yeah i mean i will say just quickly to shout him out because he did come up with this brilliant idea if you are like jason i or football nerds but also video game nerds you can watch garrett on twitch at baba yaga underscore 117 gotta give him the plug if he's helping us out we're gonna help him out too um, a lot of A's in that. I think it's B-A-B-A-Y-A-G-A. <laughs> Don't know if that's how it's actually spelled, but that's how his is spelled. So uh, that and then underscore 117. You can watch him just tear people apart in Call of Duty. It's uh, frankly terrifying how good he is at that game. Um, I'm just going to – I'm going to piggyback on Jace real quick with, you know, I think Panthers are obvious. I think Bears are obvious. Um, you know, Commanders, you know, Wentz is out now, so it's the Heineke show, and they got some tough, tough games coming up. But I like the Packers. Might be an improvement might, for that, might for that be, team. Might be. Uh, Sam Howe time, anybody? Um, but for me, it's the Packers, man. You just got – they – that game against the Jets, and it was on the second, like, the Red Zone TV, excuse me, during the Ravens game, and they just had nothing. No fight, no energy. You know, it wasn't just, like, the Ravens making mistakes, but it was that same sort of just malaise and, like, glazed-over expression – and then you get to the point where your quarterback, who is making oodles and oodles of money, and part of the reason that you couldn't pay people like Devontae Adams uh, because he just loaded up on a contract, said the offense needs to be simplified. He said that on his Sunday post-press uh, conference. On Monday, as we record, Matt LaFleur, the head coach, came out and said, I don't know what that means. He's the <laughs> offensive mind of that offense. So he's basically fighting back with Rodgers of, like, no, we're not going to change anything on the offensive side of the football, even though Rodgers wants to. LaFleur got beat by his own brother, by the way. His brother is the offensive coordinator for the Jets. So, for me, after a long, long reign in the NFC North, uh, yeah, give it to the Packers. Saddest team of the week here for me. All right, that's going to do it for the NFL section. Uh, The next section is what normally would be a preview of the Ravens' next game. The Ravens are home. They play the Cleveland Browns. They are six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Cleveland Browns, and I, I laughed and I laughed um, because I don't that, that seems too high. Who, who can they beat by a touchdown, and you have any faith that they're actually going to hang on to a lead? Um, I don't have a preview to give. I just I, I knew I needed to do it, and I just I didn't do it. 
Um, none of it is really relevant, in my opinion, at this point. And I wrote this, when I again, when I was at my saddest. <laughs> the Ravens are the better football team. The Ravens have a much better QB. They're playing at home. Will it matter? I have no idea. And I think that the Ravens really also do not have an idea. Until they close a football game against a semi-quality opponent, which the Browns are, they have talent on offense, especially in the running game, they have talent on defense. Until they can close a football game, I have no idea what this team is, and predictions are moot and impossible. They should win this game by 14. Will they? I have no idea. I have no idea if they're going to close. I have no idea what they're going to do well. Uh, And unfortunately, I don't know what we're going to get from Lamar Jackson in the fourth quarter. Does anybody have any headway on this game? For the Ravens. No, you're you're 100 percent right, Antonio. Because it's like all the things we talked about that the 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 Ravens needed to do uh, against the Giants, they did. They limited Saquon Barkley, which will be the same idea in this game. They'll have to limit Nick Chubb. They did that. They limited Daniel Jones to under 200 yards. He's about as the same as Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter at the end because the Ravens shot themselves in the foot, like for the millionth time, as we just talked about. You know, the entire first, uh, you know, two thirds of the show or whatever. First uh, three hours <laughs> of the show, <laughs> and and so yeah, so it's like that's the key. It's going to be the same kind of, almost the same strategy as last week, and they they performed well until it was time to win. I mean. Yeah, like the big moments have continued to escape the defense. Even though I think it's weird, I keep I think they keep improving every week. Like the the point totals are low, are getting lower, and, and I, they they have so many good stretches, but they just lose the big moments time and time again. And I don't know if that's just still a lack of playmakers, accountability, all the things we talked about. But the Giants were seven for fourteen on third down, as well as it seemed like the Ravens played at times. You can't let a team go 50% on third down. And, you know, I do have concerns in this game. Nick Chubb's leading the league in rushing right now, and he's looked really good. But then the Browns, on the other side, the Browns have blown just as many games as the Ravens, really. They, they, they've had leads in almost every single one of their games uh, to this point in the season, and, and they're 2-4. and four. So it'll be a real battle, I think, to see who, who, who wants it less uh, at the end. Of- <laughs> this will be, Chase, the rare occasion where whoever gets the ball last loses as opposed to wins. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 like, Kareem Hunt will, like, fumble on a screen pass or something, and we'll kick a field goal, hopefully, to win. But, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm right there with you. It's hard to make heads or tails of, like, like what to dissect because, like, against the Giants, we do this preview. They do everything we want them to do well, and it still doesn't matter because the team – choked <laughs> yeah nothing to add um the browns defense has actually been bad um for the amount of stars that they have which means they're going to be put in a top five performance of the week against the ravens so <laughs> yeah this is their get right game <laughs> yeah pretty much um, uh oh go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say with that i'm gonna give out the picks here because i, I <laughs> go, legitimately go. <laughs> don't have anything to preview uh with this browns game um you know, we didn't do our typical Brown slander. I hate the Browns. I hate their franchise. I hate their fans. I think they're just uh, a mockery. And everything that they've done with the Deshaun Watson thing further proves that. But we don't have to do that here because I have the Browns plus six and a half in this game. Um, Ravens aren't winning this game by a touchdown. And I don't know if they're going to win. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even being pessimistic. I legitimately don't know. It just doesn't make sense. So I'm just going to take the points there because I have no idea. Um, I should say last week, um, I won Giants plus four and a half. I also won Bengals minus one and a half. And Antonio might have something with this gambling thing. It was pretty fun. Uh, my friend Garrett, who we mentioned before, and I 
Drove down to Virginia to go on FanDuel. No free ads. Uh, I don't know if they're a competitor with fan-sided. Redacted. Uh, a betting company <laughs> and did a sports book. I'm not going to edit that. Don't worry. And just placed some, some very meager, small wagers on a couple of games. And obviously, first time logging in, you get some free money, whatever. And it was really fun on Sunday to kind of track your bets as you went. Um, and see, you know, see if you made a little scratch, which I ended up doing. So that was that was fun. Um, so yeah, this gambling thing, pretty cool. Um, and then yeah, this week with that as well, I said Browns, um, Falcons are plus six away to the Bengals. The Bengals had their game of like, hey, maybe the Bengals are back, but they really haven't performed well this year. And Arthur Smith and those Falcons, they're the Ravens of old. They're six and zero against the spread this season. They are undefeated against the spread. They're going to make it close. They'll probably lose, but give me the plus six. And then I'm going to do this as well. I don't like this, and usually we don't bet on the team that just beat us. But Giants plus three away to the Jaguars. The Jaguars are supposed to be a good, like, they were the sexy pick for a while, what have you, and they've kind of fallen off. They end up losing this game to Indy over the weekend. And, you know, look, the Giants I don't think are a good team. But they're a disciplined team, they're a well-coached team, and they're a team that's not going to shoot themselves in the foot, which typically the Jaguars love doing. So, you know, will the Dayball suck fest continue? Probably, and that will be rather annoying. But give me Giants plus three away to the Jags. Uh, well, I'm an idiot, so uh, <laughs> I, am picking, I am picking the Browns just because I, I think you can't trust the Ravens at this point. Uh, you know, our, our, our last three games, to we mentioned some of the offensive issues. 20 points, 19 points, 20 points. That's not a great trend. Uh, so it would be nice to get, uh, you know, over 25 points, let's say. That would be great to score four touchdowns in this game. We might, as Tim said, the Browns' defense is shockingly bad given some of the good players they have. But I, I still, you got to pick the Browns just for gambling purposes. But why I say I'm an idiot is I fully believe the Ravens win this game, and I know I'm going to be distraught uh, Sunday afternoon when they find a way to lose it in stupid fashion on, like, a Cade York 60-yard field goal or something. But uh, I am picking the Browns to cover, and I am right there with Tim with the Falcons as well at plus six. I really like that at the Bengals. Um, similarly, I haven't been impressed with the Bengals. Should also say my weekly uh, – uh, just PSA that I, I had a, I had zero and three week last week. My my uh, Ravens Panthers uh, and uh, I don't even remember the other game I took, but it, it, it didn't work out. Did not work out for me. So uh, could take all my gambling advice with a, a, a huge grain of salt. Um, oh, it was the Chiefs. I took the Chiefs as the uh, the the home underdog. Did not work out. Um, so there's that. But. I know we just called them one of the saddest teams of the week, and they were one of uh, a team I strongly considered. But the Packers minus five and a half at Washington. They might be improving with Taylor Heineke, but there's going to be a lot of green in the stands in Landover. A lot of Packers fans are going to be at this game, I'm sure. Washington, the worst attendance in the NFL, and the fans that do show up are usually rooting for the other team. Um, the vibes are bad around Washington, even though they actually won that game on, on Thursday night that Antonio talked about. Uh, obviously, there's another big Dan Snyder report that's bad. I, I think this is a a, a get-right spot uh, for the Packers, relatively. I don't know if they're fully back, but I, I just like the Packers to win to win this game relatively drama-free. Yeah, I'm taking the Browns plus six and a half. It's it. This is not. It's not your father's pot like a Raven. <laughs> yeah. I can't do it anymore. It's too many points. Do I think the Ravens win? Yes. 
I guess. Uh, do I think it's a Justin Tucker field goal late? Yes. Um, six and a half, way too many points based on how things have gone in every facet for this team. Uh, and it's a division game, so it's going to be slightly tighter than, than other games. I say that even though every game that the Ravens have played seemingly has been a, you know, a, a disaster tooth and nail to the end. Division games are even tighter, so... This will be kind of like the Bengals game. That's how I see it. They win by two on a late field goal by Justin Tucker. So they scrape by, um, do not cover six and a half. I went one and two last week. I lost my Ravens pick when I was confident Lamar Jackson was not losing to Daniel Jones. That was irrelevant because the Ravens lost to the Ravens. So that doesn't count as a win and a loss. It's just a loss. Um, One and two, but ten and nine on the season overall. Still up on the season Outside of the Browns at plus six and a half, I'm taking the Chiefs minus three at San Francisco. 49ers super beat up, um, and I think the Chiefs do enough. I think that line is so low that it's tasty enough to take. I know San Francisco is a tough place to play. They have looked good at home. Um, I, I don't think the Chiefs lose two games in a row. I think they had that tough Bills game, um, and now they sort of look to move on from that. And for the 49ers have sort of been, like, good one week, bad the next. And they have a lot of guys out. And I think the Chiefs with three, that's a tasty enough line that I think the Chiefs end up winning by a touchdown. And then this one, you talk about road fans, you know, not, not having a home field, Jace, with Washington. The Seattle Seahawks, who have been frisky all year and score points all over the place, are seven-point underdogs to the L.A. Chargers. <laughs> that, again, you have no idea which Chargers are showing up. Uh, and I think seven points is way too high for that game. There is no home field at the Chargers Stadium, as has been discussed for years now, uh, pretty much since they moved to L.A. So <laughs> I just think that number is too high. I think there's a legitimate chance that with a minute left, Seattle is either up or driving to take the lead. And plus seven is is too high. So I'm taking Seattle plus seven. At the LA Chargers, three picks this week. No teasers. Got to take a got to take a breath. Got to walk away from the teasers for for a couple of weeks, um, especially when I put the Ravens in them because uh, you know nothing nothing is as, nothing is as it was. <laughs> All right, the last thing yet to do is to go over the random Raven one more time. So let me pull up. Here it is. This random Raven was drafted by the Denver Broncos in 2005 out of the University of Maryland. He played in Denver for three seasons, one season in Atlanta, and then finished his career in Baltimore. He was signed in 2009 by Baltimore and started all 16 games that year, making 53 tackles, getting four interceptions, and 16 pass deflections. I'll read this again, even though it's not so relevant. In honor of the Ravens of the last few years, this player tore his ACL on the first day of training camp in 2010, missing the whole season. The knee continued to be a problem in 2011, and after playing in only two games, he was sidelined for the rest of the season and would eventually retire. This player wore number 24 and has since gone on to have a very successful career as an NFL pundit on various radio and TV shows. Who is this random Raven and former Terp? Go ahead, Jace. I think we both so, have it. So the name I landed on was Dominique Foxworth. Yes. It is Dominique Foxworth of College Park. Of that one really good season in Baltimore, and now of ESPN. He kind of shows up all over the place uh, on ESPN doing various interviews, and I think he's pretty good. And uh, I think has a little bit of Ravens 
love also when he talks about the team in various segments. So don't worry, Dominique, that'll get crushed eventually. Um, <laughs> if you keep watching this team long enough, you'll, you'll get sad instead of optimistic and positive about this team. Okay. Anything else guys, let's sign off with something. I don't know, something positive, something nice. doesn't have to be the Ravens. Just let's end on a happy note here. Uh, no. Halloween's almost here. <laughs> <sighs> That's the morale. Uh, of pod like a raven wins help let's let's come back next week and be a winning team and be in first place in the afc north again i guess for j sevens and tim horsey i am antonio barbera thank you for sticking with us on this episode of pod like a raven we and hopefully the ravens will be back next week Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.